G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, let's turn our attention to what many will call a practice of peace in our daily lives. So at the centre of all the chaos and the turmoil of family and work, how do we discover the peace that we are promised in the Scripture? Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Those words in John 14 verse 27. Well, author Michael John Wood deals with the importance of peace in his latest book. It's called Practicing Peace, Theology, Contemplation and Action. Michael's joining us. Michael, a special welcome along to 2020. Yeah, thanks, Neil. It's uh, lovely to be with you, and thanks for asking me to come. Michael, this has been your life. Uh, You've been a priest uh, for 27 years, some of that time working chaplaincy, other times leading a church. Uh, And this is the sort of topic that comes up when people are going through all sorts of tragedy and turmoil. Uh, Give us your story here and what shapes your thoughts around peace. Yeah, well, it started... uh for me, really, as a young late, uh, priest in my late 20s, leading a small congregation, struggling financially, um, small numbers, like a lot of small churches in Australia, particularly in rural areas, um, but also increasingly in cities, and realising that the way I had um, uh, was leading, um, I was probably starting to do emotional uh, violence to myself and to others by worrying so much and kind of trying to control everything and you know lead like the way I'd learnt to lead in the in a previous life in the business community, and it wasn't particularly effective in a church setting. So I was really wanting to relearn how to lead in a way which embodied the kind of peace that you were just talking about. Um, that uh, peace is not just the absence of conflict but peace is actually from a christian point of view something which is gifted to us and i think you use that that lovely quote about um the, my peace i give you not as the world gives so what was jesus talking about when he uh, used that kind of language uh, so that's a question i've been reflecting on for a long time yeah and isn't it easy to somehow reflect that the grass is greener on the other side and all of those people over there who look so good They must be living a life of peace. And here am I, stuck in, and I think your words, emotional violence, that sort of turmoil. And if you've been through some level of tragedy, even to the extent of suffering, you know, what some people say, uh, PTSD, uh, real upsets of how a life functions. When we're talking about peace here, is this something that we can in some ways access because we are believers in God? Yeah, well, I think um, this is why I've, uh, it's a great question. It's one of the reasons I've structured the book in three ways, through looking at it through lenses of theology or um, reflecting on what we learn of Jesus in the Bible, um, prayer and um, action, is that I think the way into peace uh, can come in different ways for different people. Um, But all those, all three ways are valid. So some people will 
encounter the peace of Christ in particular through the reading of the scriptures. Uh, some will um, encounter it through prayer and some will encounter it just through the way we embody our leadership in practical ways in day-to-day life. And what I tried to say in the book is that all three of these are important and all interrelate with each other, uh, even though we may have a natural pre- preference for one over the other. What about this difference between the peace that people are pursuing? They might do it through all sorts of Eastern meditation and such things. What's the difference between the sort of peace that people try and get in a, in a well-being context and the peace that comes from a God context, peace that Jesus promises? Yes, well, that's such an interesting question. Um, I think a lot of the uh, uh, meditation of the mindfulness variety, for example, which, which I think is, you know, fine as far as it goes, it can only take us so far, which is about being more reflective about the way we're thinking about people and things. It's perfectly fine. But it won't... Uh, it, I would distinguish that from Christian meditation or contemplative contemplative prayer in that the goal of Christian contemplative prayer is to um, attend to what God is doing in us, through us, and calling out of us. So it um, it becomes a change in perspective there, not from the way we try to create peace in a kind of a heroic way, but the way in which we allow the Spirit of God, uh, Christ is our peace, so the, the, the the way we allow the Spirit of God to work through us, that we become vehicles of that, I suppose, or what St. Francis said, channels of your peace, you know. Uh, I think that's the distinction I I would make. Um, And in making that connection to God and uh, becoming a channel of his peace, and that comes not only to us, but as you say, a channel, the channel then to others, this for ordinary people, going through the ordinary daily turmoil, Um, not mystics who spend hours and hours every day just contemplating. Um, Mm. The way this might work for ordinary people, how do you reflect on that? Well, I guess I can only speak from my own experience, but I I think, um, and I know this is incredibly difficult for people that live busy lives, and I have. You know, I've got a parent of two children and um, worked full-time for most of my working life. But actually creating little spaces in the day in which we can stop, um, even if it's just for five minutes, um, once or twice or three times a day, but to create pauses in our day in which we can just breathe, actually. <laughs> That's the starting point. And offer our lives to, to God and sit. Now, that... Can sometimes I was on a train the other day where a woman sitting opposite me was not glued to her iPhone, but spent the entire thirty minutes with her eyes closed. And I thought, I wonder what she's doing. I didn't. I don't think she was asleep. Actually, I think she may be meditating or praying. And so I don't think necessarily has to be in a chapel. It could be on a train or a bus or under a tree or going for a walk at lunchtime and sitting in a park but intentionally creating spaces in which we can come into God's presence, uh, knowing that God is always there um, and uh, giving ourselves over to the great mystery of God's peace. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. And for listeners who are thinking, you know, how do I find that special space? 
sometimes we'll encourage people to have a daily devotional time. Would this be the sort of thing you'd make as a, a routine? And if you're in that devotional time and all you're doing is calling out to God for his help in the chaos that you're going through, to receive something that's going to help you yeah. deal with the chaos. Is this how peace works in practice, do you think? Not that the chaos will necessarily cease, but that you'll be able to deal with it in a Jesus-like way? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we always have to be a little bit careful uh, in that if we're not careful, we could turn God into kind of a cosmic fixer, you know, that somehow uh, God is there just to sort of sort out my anxiety and we wouldn't, we wouldn't want to inadvertently go down that track. But I think the basic point you're making, which is the intentionality of devotion, is that we get into the habit of decentering ourselves. Uh, we are not the centre of the universe and the entirety of life does not depend on our heroic effort. Um, so we're placing ourselves in that devotion you're talking about. We're placing ourselves at the disposal of one that we circle around rather than everything circling around us, I suppose, one way of thinking about that. Uh, it does mean, doesn't it, that as we reflect on our relationship with Christ, uh, this is not just a cognitive exercise, it's not just something we believe because we read something on paper, but this starts to get into the, the real practice of faith, doesn't it, uh, that can affect mm. every area of our lives. Absolutely. I think that's right, yeah. From the way we walk to the way we talk, you know, <laughs> to the way we don't speak and listen. Um, mm. And making this practice of what it is to be a Christian believer, uh, even deep things, profound things, real in everyday life. So when you're looking at your book title and uh, you're looking about and you're talking about theology and contemplation and action. I mean, some of these things, like it sounds like, oh, you've got to have a degree to do those things, but you're actually reflecting on these things for ordinary people in ordinary hustle and bustle and chaotic circumstances. Well, I hope I am. I am very wordy sometimes, as my wife reminds me. So some people may pick up the book and go, this is way too wordy. In fact, a number of people have already criticised the first section of the book as being a bit heavy. Um, but I hope that people will be able to find something useful in it, even if they jump straight into some of the later stuff around prayer and practice. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so words can get us so far and then... And then uh, we, we simply need to give it, up, give, it give ourselves over. Mm. Michael, if there's a way that listeners to our conversation today can see how peace can work, uh, we'll all know someone who is in turmoil right now. What's a way of bringing that peace into their environment? I think uh, that one of the best ways we can bring peace into the environment of a person in turmoil is to... Uh, simply focus on the quality of our attention in our listening to that person. Um, we don't have to fix them. They're not a problem to be fixed. Um, we don't have to give them smart advice. Uh, we don't have to try to make them feel better about themselves. But simply being with them compassionately and being present and, not, and for them to know that we are listening to them very deeply is something which is going to be more useful than anything in the world for them, probably. 
um, just like Job's in the book of Job, you know, his friends get with him in the ash heap for seven days before they say a word. Then they lose the plot for the rest of the book. <laughs> but they did take the, the, it was right for them to take seven days before they began to speak. Exactly. And then everything they say after that is pretty much wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, all of that good work happens in that initial listening. What do we do with scriptures like First Peter 5, 7? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Is that a passageway? Is that a door to be opened into the peace of God, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I link it directly to what I said before, is that um, uh, some people have the, the grace of experiencing that, what you've just described in prayer, on their own. Uh, I think many times people will have an experience embodiment of that verse through the quality of the listening. So as we throw our cares onto a person who is genuinely listening to us deeply, we have a sense in which God is caring for us. So it's kind of what uh, I think I heard a child say once, I want a God with hands. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a beautiful verse you've quoted. And, you know, we're also uh, called on by Paul, aren't we, in Romans chapter 12. Uh, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So for that person who their peace is not coming from their family, uh, in fact, they might be even experiencing all sorts of chaos, even domestic violence, or that person who is in the workplace and the boss has it in for them every day, you've got to turn up every day. Does the peace of God, do you think, come every day when you're facing the circumstances that actually are very difficult? Mm. I think the peace in that sense doesn't necessarily mean to put up, and I'm not saying that you're suggesting this is the case, uh, but I want to make it clear. I don't think uh, moving into toxic environments, whether it's domestic violence or workplace violence, requires us to tolerate tolerate things in the name of peace. I think what the peace may be is God giving us the internal security and centeredness to be able to uh, address and name and challenge and sometimes find a way through that violence. Uh, which is endemic in workplaces and families, unfortunately. So is peace, do you think, the product of our relationship with with God, uh, more specifically with Jesus, and the way he was able to deal with things, even all the way to the cross? Uh, is this relationship, does this really impinge on how we think about peace? Yeah, so I I think it's uh, an interesting question about how much is God's work, how much is ours, and how closely linked they are. So um, I think from a Christian perspective, peace is a gift um, of the Spirit, you know, one of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, And yet it also uh, is then returned to God in the form of embodied practice. So um, the way and the quality with which we speak Um, the truthfulness with which we speak, the humility with which we speak, is all the way in which that fruit manifests itself in our actual relationships. So it is both gift and return at the same time. Uh, Wonderful reflection and, you know, those words of Jesus, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And for listeners uh, wanting to look that up, John 14 and verse 27. And author Michael John Wood, his new book is called Practicing Peace, 
Theology, Contemplation and Action, and it's one of those books that's been shortlisted for this year's Australian Christian Book of the Year Awards. Those awards are being presented at the end of August, 31st of August. Uh, Michael, uh, for people to connect with you, uh, they can buy the book. Uh, Of course, the publishers, Whip and Stock, you can get a hold of it at online booksellers. And to connect with you personally, michaeljohnwood.com. And for listeners who want to connect on your website, is there any resource there or how do you like to connect with your readers? Uh, If anyone uh, would like to ask questions or provide feedback on the book, uh, there's a contact form in the website. So just click on that and that will then uh, redirect through to my email. And you can connect with an e-book for your Kindle at Amazon michaeljohnwood.com Michael, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your insights with us today on 2020 Thanks Neil, appreciate your time Thank you Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media To find out more about us go to vision.org.au